Welcome to Kids Considered, where two pediatricians discuss children's health topics of interest to parents in a podcast with new subjects considered every episode. I'm Dr. Lena Rostein. And I'm Dr. Dean Blumberg. And we're both pediatricians at UC Davis Children's Hospital in Sacramento, California. And that leads us to today's topic. Hi there, my name is Tammy, and I have a question about the HPV vaccine. My daughter, who is 13, did receive and complete the vaccine series. However, she did complain that it was extremely painful compared to all the other vaccines she's gotten. My question is in regards to my nine-year-old son. I know the HPV vaccine is important to prevent cervical cancer. So is it really necessary for a boy to get this vaccine? If so, how come? Thanks so much for your help. So there's a lot of concerns about vaccines, including HPV vaccine. And Tammy's talked about one of the concerns that we hear about, right? Mm-hmm. About boys and do they really need it? Mm-hmm. I will say I'm so happy that we're talking about vaccines. Uh-huh. Dr. Dean's specialty. It's one of my, I'm really passionate about vaccines. Right? Yeah. Because we finally get to hear him really revved up <laughs> about a topic, uh-huh. an expert. So yeah. I'm very excited to talk about kind HPV of today. Saving HPV vaccines. I was afraid if we started talking about vaccines that that's all we would talk about. So No, definitely <laughs> not. But a very, very important topic mm-hmm. because we're going to be talking about cancer, right? About cancer. And um, cancer is really important. Right. And specifically how we're going to prevent cancer. Right. So there's two main things I think that there we're going to talk about. One is cancer, and we need to make one thing really clear about the cancer part. Okay. And what is that? So HPV vaccine is cancer protection. Because it prevents the most common HPV infections that cause cancer. Exactly. But that's not all we're going to talk about, right? Right, because there's a reason I want to talk about preventing cancer up front, because it's easy to get sidetracked and distracted by one of the other main issues related to HPV. Like sex. Sex, exactly. So we'll talk about sex too, but we're going to focus on cancer prevention. Yes. So first, we will talk a little bit about sex. Okay, and the reason to talk about sex is that HPV is a sexually transmitted infection. When we say it's sexually transmitted, that doesn't just mean through intercourse. Right. It doesn't have to be sexual intercourse. It is transmitted by skin-to-skin contact. It is one of the most common sexually transmitted diseases. It's so easily transmitted. Okay, what do you mean by so easily? So about three-quarters of people are infected with HPV within three years of initiation of sexual activity. So 75%. That's a huge number. It's really a lot. So about 14 million people become newly infected with HPV every year in the U.S. Okay, so we've been talking about HPV, but we should define what that means. So HPV stands for human papilloma virus. And all HPV infections aren't the same, right? Right. So there's about 100 different HPV types. And some are low risk, and Mm -hmm. these can cause warts. Right. But the worrisome ones are the ones that are high risk types, and these are associated with cancer. Right. In most cases, HPV goes away on its own, and it doesn't cause any problems. Right. About 98% of the time. But when the high risk types don't go away, then that's when it can progress to cancer. Cancer can take years or even decades to develop after a person gets HPV. Right, and HPV can cause a variety of cancers, but we often highlight cervical cancer. Yeah, and one of the reasons is because virtually all cases of cervical cancer are caused by HPV. 
Yes, and more than two-thirds of vaginal and vulvar cancers. Plus, in males, more than 60% of penile cancers are caused by HPV. And more than 90% of anal or rectal cancers. Plus, more than 70% of throat cancers. So I know that we talked about a lot of cancers and a lot of percentages. A lot of numbers. Yeah, but if you sort of add all these cancers at HPV, if you add them all up, um, you end up with almost 80% of these cancers caused by HPV. And that's about... 30,000 cancers caused by HPV every year in the United States. That's a lot of cancers, yes. So we tend to focus on cervical cancer and HPV because of the large burden of disease. Which is about 12,000 cases of cervical cancer every year in the U.S. Comparing to about 5,000 cases of anal or rectal cancer. Right, but all these cancers are bad. Mm -hmm. One of the things that surprised me about HPV is learning that it was actually classified as a carcinogen. Yeah, in 2005, the International Agency for Research on Cancer, which is part of the World Health Organization, classified the high-risk types as carcinogens. So just like we want to protect our kids against other agents that cause cancer, like keeping them away from people who smoke or asbestos or radioactivity, we should also want to protect them against HPV. Right, and this should be easy. I think that must be a trick question. (laughs) Kind of. So you won't get HPV infection if you don't have sex, correct? Right. That would be no intercourse, no fooling around, no skin-to-skin contact. A lifetime of abstinence would be protective. Right, but not very feasible, and most parents don't want that for their children for the rest of their life. Right, I agree. So what about mutual monogamy, so one partner for your whole life? And so that would theoretically work, but you also have to depend on your partner not having a previous partner. Okay, so let's talk about condoms. Mm -hmm. Condoms protect against many sexually transmitted infections. Yes, condoms are recommended to prevent these infections. So how well do they protect against it? So there's some challenges with condoms. First, people don't use them consistently. And second, they sometimes break. Mm -hmm. And third, they don't cover all body parts that touch during normal sexual activity. So condoms have been well studied with this, right? Yes, they have. So if they're used less than 50% of the time, there's basically no added protection against HPV infection. Right. And if they're used between 50 and 99% of the time, they decrease the rate of HPV infection by only 50%. And if used 100% of the time, it's reduced by 70%. Yeah. So, so you, you're still leaving yeah, you know, 30%. To chance, yeah. yeah. Because during normal sexual activity, there are parts of the body that touch, and they're just not covered by the condom. So that's why they don't protect 100%. But to be clear, we believe condoms have totally a million benefits, right? Well, they prevent other sexually transmitted infections. Like HIV, herpes, gonorrhea, chlamydia. And there's one other thing that condoms prevent. Hmm. Um, pregnancy? Yes, of course, right, right. of course. So we want to do even better than condoms with preventing HPV infections and cancer. Right, because parents want to protect their kids against cancer. And remember that most people of both sexes will be infected with more than one HPV type in their lifetime. Right. That's why we don't even routinely screen women under 30 for HPV anymore on their pap smears, right? Because they just assume you're going to have it. That, and and the other reason is that a lot of them are naturally will go away and they won't what they, right. they won't infect for a lifetime. Yeah. Right. So then we really just start screening at thirty now. Mm-hmm. So it could be a high risk type that could cause cancer if you are infected with HPV. 
Right. So wouldn't it be great if there was a vaccine against high-risk HPV types to prevent cancer, right? And prevent infection with these high-risk types. Right. And so this would be a cancer vaccine. And that's exactly what the HPV vaccine is. Okay. So for the HPV vaccine used in the U.S., it includes the seven most common high-risk types. This accounts for about 90% of HPV types that cause cervical cancer. And if we give the vaccine before exposure to HPV, then we can protect children from acquiring these infections that cause cancer years later. Exactly. So let's talk about the usual vaccine recommendations. Okay, I got this. I'm used to doing it in clinic. (laughs) Uh So we recommend routine HPV vaccines starting at 11 to 12 years of age. Right, although the vaccine can be given as early as 9 years of age. And catch-up vaccination can be done for older teens. For children 9 to 14 years of age, it's a two-dose schedule. So we give the first one, and then they come back for the next six months later. And if the second dose gets delayed beyond six months, then there's no need to repeat the first dose. Right. It still counts. You're still done. Mm -hmm. And if the first dose of the vaccine isn't given until 15 years of age, then it's a three-dose series. Right. So we always recommend getting it started early, Mm -hmm. but you'll give the first one in these older kids. Then the second dose is recommended one month after the first and then the third five months later. So then technically six months after that very first dose was given. Right. So three doses are needed at the older age because the younger kids have a stronger immune response to the vaccine. So they only need the two doses. All right. So let's talk about some side effects like our caller mentioned pain. Uh Right, pain. Yeah, so that's the main adverse effect is local reactions. It hurts at the site of injection. So my nieces got this vaccine, and one of them called me up afterwards and said, Uncle Dean, my arm almost fell off after I got the vaccine. Yeah, it really feels like getting like a dead, you have a dead arm, huh? Yeah. So it's painful. It's painful. It's um, generally more painful than, for example, a Tdap vaccine or tetanus shot. But the pain and swelling resolve within a few days. What about fainting? Have you heard about that? I've heard of some teens potentially fainting after they got this immunization. Right. And you think fainting is like not so big a deal. But, you know, if you faint and you hit your head, you can have a head injury. So this could be a big deal. And it may happen if they stand up too quickly after being immunized. And it's also related to the pain. So how can this be avoided? So um, it can be avoided. um, uh, Sometimes it's related to dehydration. Right. So you might want to drink a glass of water or two before going in for your HPV vaccine. Right. And then stay sitting in the office or clinic for 15 minutes after immunization. Right. So that will help prevent fainting. Right. So we just want to make this clear. The HPV vaccine is completely safe. More than 170 million doses have been distributed since the vaccine was approved over 10 years ago, and there have been no serious safety concerns. And the vaccine is used in over 80 countries around the world. With continued safety monitoring. All right, so how well does the vaccine work? Well, the immune response is excellent, and it's long-lasting. How long does the protection last? Protection seems to last a lifetime. The protection is not decreasing over time. Wow. So does it really protect against getting HPV infection? So this is one of the most effective vaccines that we have. So how effective is it? Between 75 and 100% effective preventing the immediate precursors to cervical cancer, vulvar and vaginal cancers, and anal cancer. Wow, that's really impressive. It it really is. So parents want to protect their children. Right. And they don't want them to get cancer. No, they don't. So you would expect HPV vaccine rates to be sky high. Yeah, you would expect that. But unfortunately, no, it's really sad. So what are the rates? 
So in the U.S., only about half of adolescents are up to date with HPV vaccine. And we know that we can do better. Right. Compare that to other vaccines we give adolescents, like the meningococcal vaccine that protects against meningitis Mm -hmm. or the Tdap vaccine, where rates are really between 85 and 90 percent. Right. And this has really tragic implications. Expand on what you mean by tragic implications. So let's do the math. Mm Mm-hmm. So there's about 26 million girls in the U.S. less than 13 years of age. Okay, 26 million. Uh Uh-huh. Almost 170,000 will develop cervical cancer if none of them are vaccinated. Wow, that's a really big number. And over 50,000 will actually die from cervical cancer. Wow, that's tragic. So if you compare our current HPV immunization rate of 50% to the really the minimum 80% that we know we can get to with other vaccines at this age. Right, 30% more. That means that every year, about 3,000 cervical cancer cases are not prevented. Mm, mm. Yeah. And so that's really a, a tragedy. That means that about 900 of these girls will die from cervical cancer. And these deaths could have been prevented with the HPV vaccine. And that's what's so sad. Right. It's a tragedy. Mm -hmm. So we're not just talking theoretical figures. I mean, the vaccine works not just in studies, but in the real world. Absolutely. There have been several large studies in the U.S., Australia, France, the Netherlands, really all over the world. Okay. And what have they found? That the HPV infections decrease by 80 to 100 percent because of HPV immunization. That's impressive. And Australia's experience has been especially exciting. (laughs) Why is that? They've really been leaders in providing HPV vaccine, and they estimate that they will eliminate cervical cancer by 2022. Wow, that is truly amazing. (laughs) Yeah, it's hard to believe that they could eliminate cervical cancer in a country. What a success. That's amazing. Yes, it is. So what's the deal in the U.S.? Why aren't parents wanting to protect their kids against HPV cancers? So the main reason is sex. What about sex? Parents connect the vaccine with sex, and they don't want to deal with it. Some providers probably do that as well, right? Some healthcare providers want to avoid the whole sex discussion, yes. So we know most 11-year-olds are not sexually active. Right. So if the doctor recommends the HPV vaccine, the parents might say they don't need it now. If they're not sexually active yet, it's a great time to give the vaccine. Because it's better if it's given before the onset of sexual activity. Exactly. And this is really similar to most other vaccines. It's standard to give the vaccine before exposure to the potential infection. What about parents who want to wait until their children are older? It's better to give it to younger adolescents because we know that they respond better to the vaccine than older adolescents or young adults. And it's only two shots versus three shots, which we know kids prefer. (laughs) Right. So it's never too early to vaccinate your preteen. It's only too late. Right. And I've talked to some parents who are on board with the HPV vaccine for the girls. They understand it. But then they, you know, now are like, well, my son doesn't need it. He doesn't have a cervix. He's not going to get cervical cancer. Right. And that's sort of kind of what Tammy was alluding to in the question. And a lot of that is because a lot of the public education has been linking HPV and cervical cancer. And obviously, boys can't get cervical cancer. Not unless there's something new with boys' organs since I went to medical school. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of new knowledge since you were in medical school, (laughs) but not that they get cervical cancer. Yeah, okay. So I I knew that. But boys can get penile cancer, anal cancer, throat cancer. All of these are also caused by HPV. In fact, the most common cancer caused by HPV is mouth and throat cancer, and that's more common in males than females. And a preteen boy who receives HPV vaccine can also protect his future partner. So boys should absolutely get HPV vaccine if we want to protect them from HPV cancers. 
I've had some parents say that if they vaccinate their children, they think they're going to be more likely to become sexually active. There are numerous studies that show that HPV vaccination does not make kids more likely to be sexually active or start having sex at a younger age. And I want to be clear about this. Even if parents have their kids get the HPV vaccine, their child does not think that the parent is all of a sudden approving of teenage sex. Right. Exactly. What if parents haven't yet had the sex talk with their child? Should they start it at the time they get the HPV vaccine? They don't have to discuss sex with their preteens before they get the HPV vaccine. Right. I mean, I remember I got the Gardasil vaccine when mm-hmm. I was probably 12 That or was something. one of the first ones. Uh-huh. Right. And it wasn't, it was like, my parents were very open at talking about sexuality and all of that stuff, but... We didn't even have that conversation anywhere surrounding it. It was just like another vaccine. Another vaccine. <laughs> right. And um, nowhere during that time did I even associate it with sex or anything. Um, so this is how most parents should view it. Well, I think that's true. And that's, that's where the problem with HPV has occurred. Because with most vaccines, we don't talk, for example, about um, the meningitis vaccine. We don't say, okay, here's how it's transmitted. Right. We just say it's meningitis. It's like bad. You don't want your right. kid to get it. Let's give the vaccine. And that's what we should be doing with HPV. But right. somehow we've gotten sidetracked. Right. So it's not about sex. It's about cancer. It, the issue is cancer. We want to prevent cancer. And we can do this with HPV vaccine. Right. So to answer the question, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, it is necessary for boys. We talked about mm-hmm. head and neck cancers, mm-hmm. penile and anal cancers, protecting future partners. Right. And the older sister is right, too. It does hurt more than other vaccines. <laughs> it does hurt more than other vaccines, but it's going to provide the protection that she needs for a lifetime. Right. So, so a little pain now is worth preventing cancer later. Exactly. So let's summarize some of the main points from today's episode. HPV infections are easily transmitted and really common. HPV-associated cancers are a major problem. HPV causes cancer. And the HPV vaccine is safe, effective, and provides lasting protection. Rates of HPV vaccination in the U.S. are really suboptimal. And this means that kids will get cancer because they were not protected against HPV with the vaccine. Right, and that's really a tragedy. We must increase HPV vaccination rates. HPV vaccine is cancer protection. So all this talk about HPV and cancer and stuff reminds me of a joke. Okay. (laughs) So did you hear about the woman who had cervical cancer? No. Okay. So she had a long and arduous treatment course. She had chemotherapy and eventually she was cured. Okay, great. And so now she's cured of cancer and she goes to her doctor and she says, what can she do to stay healthy? Uh Uh-huh. And so her doctor told her, well, you could, it's good to exercise, so you should run five miles a day. Uh-huh. And that was 20 years ago, and her family doesn't have a clue where she is now. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So you got HPV vaccine. Yeah, I got the HPV vaccine. I don't know the exact age, but it, was, it didn't have as many strains right. as it had, like, four, right? Right. So the first HPV vaccines that came out, there were two manufacturers. One came out with one that had two high-risk types. The other had two high-risk types and two low-risk types. Right. And, and that was the Gardasil. That was right. the one that was most commonly used. And then it evolved. So they kept adding types. So now we're up to um, seven high-risk types in the type that's used in the U.S., um, another vaccine is still used in other countries and yeah. worldwide, um, but both of them are extremely effective. Right. 
but now, so uh, I'm going to be turning 30. I'm out of the age window, I'm guessing, to get all the other good straights. Because I have parents that are like, can I get it still? You know, they're like in their 30s or whatever. And I'm like, no. That just recently changed, just in um, June of this year, when the CDC, the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices, met. And they recently expanded the age range up to age 45. And they made it, they didn't recommend it, but they say you can discuss it with your doctor. Okay. So now older people can get the vaccine. Wow, that's great. So hot off the press. Right. Dr. Dean giving us some fresh information from the vaccine committee. And that's not official yet. Those those recommendations aren't official by the CDC until they're published. And at the time we're recording this, they're not not. And I'm guessing you would have to maybe pay out of pocket or maybe insurance will cover it. We'll see. Um, I'm pretty sure that when they publish them, there'll be the what, what's the so-called permissive recommendations that the CDC does, yeah. which they do so that insurance, most insurance will cover it in the U.S. Awesome. Yeah. Good to know. Yeah. But really, it's, you know, the Australia experience is fantastic. They introduced yeah. it and they provided it free. They had school-based clinics so they could achieve a really high vaccination rate first in girls and then they got it in boys and... Really, they, they've been such, such leaders and really an inspiration to the world. Yeah, totally. That's mm-hmm. amazing. Yep. That wraps up this episode of Kids Considered. You can find more information on our website, kidsconsidered.ucdavis.edu. Follow us on Twitter at Kids Considered. And Instagram at Kids Considered. If you have feedback on this show or topics you would like us to discuss in the future, we would love to hear from you. Please call us. Our number is 916-915-3388. Or email us at kidsconsidered at gmail.com. Please rate us on iTunes or wherever you subscribe to your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we hope you will join us for our next podcast. Kids Considered is sponsored by UC Davis Children's Hospital.